Welcome back to the Christ Community Church podcast. I am Ryan, joined by Jana today. It is good to be here with you. We are diving into Sunday's message, kicking off our Jonah series. It was, this Sunday was January 7th. I should know that was the day after my daughter's birthday. And we are talking about the mission that God has for us. So that was the title of the sermon, The Mission. Jana, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I was excited about this new series on Jonah, so. Yeah, when you hear that we're doing a series on Jonah, are you one of those who just like, I know the story. I have known it for so long. It's easy, it's familiar. We don't have anything else to grow from it. A little, <laughs> Obviously not that a deep. A little but. bit. I think I, what I was really surprised on is when I think of Jonah, I think of a big fish or basically because I'm simple, I think about a whale, which I know talking to quite a few people, that might not have been what it was, but um, I was like, I was surprised to go, wow, like we're just not talking about Jonah getting swallowed and spit up by a fish, that there's more to Jonah than just the fish. Yeah, Jonah's not that long of a book in general, but the fish part is a relatively small portion. I mean, it's like one chapter, he's in the belly of the fish and there's, I think there's four chapters in Jonah. And so it's, it's only maybe a fourth of the story in general that he's in the fish, that's it. And I like, that was kind of surprising because like you said, we teach it in, from the time they're in nursery school all the way through high school and maybe we forget a few pieces. Yeah, I think it is good to, in general, especially when you have younger students and kids, to like draw them into scripture to be like, hey, there are some incredible things. I mean, David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, you know, Samson and everything he did, Jonah swallowed by a fish. Like, it's pretty cool. And so it's, it makes the story exciting, but it is a relatively small piece of what the greater story is about, which is why we are diving into this. And really, it's about the heart of Jonah and who he is and the mission that God had for him. And obviously we'll talk more about this next week, but his disobedience and the reason for his disobedience really should help us to evaluate our own hearts and how we respond to God's call. Well, and it was a great reminder too that um, Bible characters were real human people, um, that they're not just little cartoon characters and they're smiling as they go into a fish, um, that Jonah is listed in the Bible and there's parts of Jonah I want to be like and there's a lot of parts I don't want to be like. So that was a great reminder. Yeah, I think Jonah's story mostly is something that you are hoping is not you. Mm -hmm. And really that's where like, if we are seeing a lot of ourselves in Jonah, which we probably should if we're being honest, but if we're seeing a lot of ourselves in Jonah, we see areas for correction. The, the good part of Jonah's story is not about Jonah. And we see this a lot in scripture, but we also see some like heroes of the Bible who were like, okay, we would like to model ourselves after Daniel or you know David in the moment with Goliath, not some other parts of the story, but like there's moments of people's stories. But with Jonah, it really is a story about God is good. Jonah has some sin. He has some evil in his heart. And obviously the Ninevites had a lot of evil and sin. And yet God is gracious on both sides of the story. And so there's a lot in there about just who God is and his love and us being drawn to him. But Jonah's story is one that we're going to hold up and say, yeah, I'd prefer to be different than Jonah. How can I do things differently for the most part than what Jonah did? 
Well, and the weird part of that is kind of like Jonah was on the good team. You know, he was uh, supposed to be a man of God. He, as you said, knew all about God. Um, but just because he knew things, it didn't always translate. So, Yeah, there's a lot of places in scripture, actually, like if we're really paying attention, even to some of the ones who we know have good moments in their story. There's a lot of places in scripture where the one who should know and the one who should get it right is failing. Mm. And the one who seems far off or disconnected is actually doing the right thing. So even I'll, I'll just connect one of these moments because I just read it yesterday, two days ago in my Bible reading plan. But Abraham, when he tells the Egyptians that Sarah is his sister, he's actually doing the wrong thing at that moment. He's not acting in faithfulness to God. He's afraid of what the Egyptians might do to him, despite the fact that God has already made him a promise that I'm going to bless you and many nations are going to come from you. And th there's a promise of a child that's going to come from you and Sarah together. And yet he does the wrong thing. And the Egyptians actually are the ones who come and say, wait, why did you do this? Like you shouldn't have done this, this evil thing. And so the Egyptians who everyone who's reading the law, because it was written by Moses so that, you know, it's, we're thinking typically post, um, post Exodus Israel, they would have been seeing the Egyptians as the ones who had enslaved the Israelites for years and years. And they, they're looking and saying, wow, the Egyptians here are doing the right thing. The point of all that is to show us that God is the one who is faithful. Like we're going to make mistakes. We're going to come up short, but God is faithful and gracious and merciful. And he is with Jonah and he is with the Ninevites. And that's a really cool thing to pay attention to early on, again, to help us know who God is so that hopefully we respond to God's call in a better way than Jonah did. Well, and Jonah was called, but part of your message was great because it says as believers, we're all called. And so you talked about that being on mission. And can you tell me a little bit more about what um, our mission is? Um, you, you use the word to be an evangelist. Can you, what does that mean to you? And, and how is that something I can understand for myself? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I mentioned a few things in there. I went to what's known as the great commandment and then the great commission, which are both given by Jesus. We see them in the book of Matthew, Matthew 22 for the great commandment, verse 37 through 40. And then Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the great commission. And in both these places, Jesus is clearly saying, Hey, here is how you as disciples, as followers of Christ, as God's people should live. And so he mentioned in the great commandment, love God, love others. And then the great commission, he says, go and tell people about him is basically what he's saying. He says, make disciples. And that idea is to do what Jesus did, to invite people into relationship, to point them to belief while their behavior is not going to be right. We're allowing them to belong while they figure out what it means to believe. And we're pointing them to belief. And then in belief, we're going to trust that behavior is going to come. We're not hiding away from behavioral issues, but we're going to trust that behavior is going to come as a third piece. So evangelism is really just that idea of sharing the good news about Jesus. It's telling people about Jesus. It's being invitational. It's, it's more than this, but it can, start, it can start by being invitational to church. Like that can be a starting place. That's, evangelism is bigger than just inviting to church, but it, it can be a starting place. Evangelism is bigger than just inviting people into our lives and into relationship, but it's a good starting place to have. Evangelism ultimately is inviting people to relationship with Jesus. And so it's pointing them to Christ. Now we, we use the phrase crossing real and imagined borders. And we see that in the gospels. We see that in, well, in the book of Acts, we see some of this evangelism happening where they're crossing literal borders to get to people. And that border might be 
um, your, you know, your fence to your neighbor's fence. That border might be from the church walls to the business place. Like, so those are some of the real and kind of imagined borders that we put up. You know, for Jonah, there's a real border between him and Nineveh. And there's an imagined border between him and Nineveh of saying, well, they're not like me. They're evil. They're different. They're not worthy of this. And so for us, it's about looking at people the way God sees people as his image bearers, as people that he loves, as either those who are known by him and part of the family of God, or those who are like the lost sheep or the prodigal son, or those who are far from God that need to be drawn into relationship. And so evangelism, there's a lot of different ways of doing evangelism, but ultimately we should all have a heart to be evangelists. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. And I think many Christians believe that that command is for all of us, that we all are called to do the work of an evangelist. And so we do get confused by thinking that's Billy Graham and we got to do a crusade and it's the person who can stand up in front of, you know, thousands of people and, and share the good news. Or we think it's the ones who are going door to door and knocking on every door on a Saturday and, and handing out, you know, leaflets or, or whatever it is, maybe. And, and those or are even forms. going to another country. Yeah. Going to another country is oftentimes what we look at as evangelism. And, and those are all forms of evangelism, but there's so much more. I mean, every day we have evangelistic conversations. It's really about just being missional minded and saying, okay, God's called me to love him by loving others and to do that by telling others about Jesus. And so not every conversation has to be a gospel conversation, but every conversation should be a witness of the faith that we have, of the relationship with Jesus that we have. And there should be gospel conversations that are happening. So I've got lots of non-Christian neighbors and friends and, um, and, and I want to have evangelism conversations with them. And so some of that is just the other day, I met a new neighbor. Uh, well, we've been neighbors for a while, but I hadn't met them. And, and so met them for the very first time. And we just had a conversation about just life and fishing and, and jobs and different things like that. I'm not a fisherman, but he talked about fishing. Um, but we just had a conversation. And, and to me, and, and granted, I'm a little more timid on this, but that's the beginning of an evangelism relationship of just being like, hey, let's get to know one another as, as people, as God's image bearers. And I wanna show you that you have a place in my life, that you're an important person, that you're loved. And then maybe the next conversation is me being invitational to church or talking about, hey, what do you believe? Or something like that. And there's all these ways that we can do evangelism. I mean, there's tons of resources out there, but I think in general, it's having that missional mindset. So do you think there are people that are just better at it than others? Oh, certainly, yes. Because I think my husband's better at it than I am. And then in our in our church, there's a gentleman named Jack, and every Sunday he's awesome. You know, he he comes up and asks if I could help. And when I say sure, you know, well, he asks if I could share the gospel with two people that day that don't know Jesus. Like he's always looking outside at people that don't know Jesus. And sometimes that's not as easy for me. I don't think about it. Yeah, of course. I, I mean. We all have spiritual gifts and evangelism is a spiritual gift. It's one of those things that is listed in the gifting place. I don't, I don't remember which gifting list has it, but it is, is listed as a spiritual gift. So there are gonna be people who are naturally better at it, but that doesn't mean that any of us cannot do it. Same thing with other gifts. I mean, there, there are certain gifts that maybe not everyone has to do, but, um, but like hospitality. 
everyone should be hospitable. Everyone should, should practice hospitality. Everyone should demonstrate love. Everyone should have a level of faith. But these are also certain gifts that are given in, in excess to some. And so some are, this is gonna be natural for them. And they're gonna be really good at the, the habit of evangelism, at the process of doing it. But for the rest of us, we have to train our minds and our hearts to say, okay, what step can I take today? It may not be that I'm walking up to a complete stranger and saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. But it might be that I'm going and meeting my neighbor and saying, hey, have you ever been to church before? What's your, your spiritual background? And starting that conversation. Some of us may be a little slower than others. I'm on the slow side. Um, but it is important that all of us still have that mindset because God has put me in certain places with certain people that no one else will reach. And so I need to be missional minded every time I'm around these people. And really like every time we get up and we're going into these situations, that should be our focus. Like how can we live on mission? Again, doesn't mean every conversation has to be gospel centered, but our lives need to be gospel centered. It need to be a witness. And we need to be on purpose with the people in our lives. Which means the neighbor that I have a harder time with could almost feel like Nineveh sometimes, um, but it's an act of me loving God enough to love her. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing about Nineveh, and we'll look more at this next week about Jonah running away from where God called him to go. But we do wanna recognize that Nineveh was a really bad place to go to. I mean, it is not a number one vacation spot. Like it is not a place where the people are gonna be really receptive and friendly. He's not going to his hometown. He's not going to people who are like him. He's going to a place of violence and bloodshed, a place where, you know, this is where the Assyrians are who are enemies of God's people. So it's easy to run away. And we have those in our life. And that's what we need to recognize. But it's not necessarily about who it is. It's about who is calling us to do it. And so, yes, I mean, I've had neighbors that are really friendly and kind and wonderful, and it's really easy to talk to them and invite them to church. And I've had neighbors that are really difficult and do things that really bother me. And some things that are even just kind of messed up or mean, or even maybe just evil. And it's like, well, I don't even want to be around you, much less invite you into this family that I'm a part of, but it's not up to me. It's up to God and what he has called us to do. So did God change uh, Jonah's heart here? <laughs> uh, not in the first two verses necessarily. Okay. I mean, I think that we're going to see that Jonah's heart is hardened and he runs away. And, and actually just spoiler alert, because you know, you should read it anyways, you should read it multiple times, but we're going to see at the very end of the story that Jonah's heart is still not where it should be. So he eventually will do what God tells him to do. And yet we'll still see that his heart is far from God's plan. And so there's, there's a constant transformation of heart. And so if you are like, hey, this is a struggle for me. I'm not missional minded. I don't want to go and talk to people. I don't want to share with people. You're not alone. And I think, again, the story of Jonah is about God's grace in the midst of our failures and our struggles. And so we actually get to see God's grace for those who should know and those who definitely don't know. And, uh, and so, you know, God is doing something probably on Jonah's heart in this moment. But Jonah's first response is to do the opposite of what God calls him to do. Yeah, I think when I was thinking of it too, I was thinking about the more I focus on my irritation with somebody, it makes them an enemy, where the more I focus on God's love for me, it kind of makes me want to share that God's really good because of the way he loves me. And so sharing that with people that are hard to love, um, it becomes a little easier. So hopefully my heart gets a little softer that way. Well, and that's, 
you know, kind of the, the one of the first points I made and, and really the first, like the overall thing that we are called to do is to love God. But Jonah knew who God was. I mean, he, he had at least the head knowledge of God. He had heard God's voice. He recognized God's voice. And so he should have been loving God. And because of his love for God, he should have done what God had called him to do, even though it was hard. But instead, he was informed by his hatred for others, his disdain, or his fear for himself even. These things were what were informing his decisions, not his love for God or his knowledge of God. And so, yeah, we need to recognize that like, hey, when we're not being obedient to God, odds are it's because we've not spent enough time with him and we're not drawing close enough to him. Because if we really recognize God, know God, we're going to have more of an Abraham moment with, with Isaac, where he was willing to sacrifice his only son, knowing that God could restore him and could bring him back to life because God promised me this child. And so I, I don't understand why he's telling me to do this, but I trust God. A, a Daniel moment going into the lion's den or Hanai, Mishael, and Azariah going into the, the fiery furnace. Like we're going to have these moments because we're going to stop looking at the things around us and keep our eyes focused on God. I think of Peter when he was going towards Christ. I might be sharing this next week, but anyways, Peter, like going towards Christ on, like walking on water. And it says his eyes were focused on Jesus. He's walking on water. And then it says that he began to see the waves and the wind taking his eyes off of Christ. And that's when he began to sink. And so when we're living on mission, if our eyes are focused on Jesus, definitely sharing this next week. So spoiler alert for those who are listening, but if our eyes are focused on Jesus, we're going to be able to keep going forward. But the minute we take our eyes off of him, we're going to begin to sink and struggle and fail. Well, and that reminds me of the part in the message that you started to share. And it kind of hit me because um, you said Jonah was called to go preach against the Ninevites. And you said they're evil and things, but but we're called to go to people um, because of the gospel, because we're on the other side of Christ. And so the difference that is in that I'm not called to judge people. I'm just sharing the good news of the gospel. And somehow that makes it a lot easier for me if I keep my eyes on that. Yeah, behavior was the focus in the Old Testament. I mean, ultimately was pointing to God and to relationship with him. It's it's a little bit harder to see in the Old Testament than it is in the New Testament um, because so much of it was based on obedience and sacrifice and all these things like were to remind us that we are not capable of doing this, but God is doing this for us. Like he's going to do this for us. And so now that we've seen that happen, yeah, that's, that's what we point to. We point to Christ. And so we don't have to walk in and bash heads and you know beat people up. Some of us would like to, um, but really what we want to do is we want to be invitational. And that's what being an evangelist is all about. It's about calling out sin and recognizing that, hey, your sin is leading you down a path that is headed towards destruction. I mean, the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Like that's his plan. And sin, that's where you're headed and so we definitely want to call that out and recognize like we, we want to repent and turn from that and turn to the plan that God has for us, which is life and life to the full and life eternally. And so we want to be invitational towards Christ and recognizing that, yeah, sin is going to destroy you and, and, and nobody wants that, but God offers something so much better. And so again, that's easy to do with nice people. Like I, I can tell you that it, very easily, right? Cause we get along well. And so that's fine. But there are others where it's like, you know, so like maybe a neighbor, maybe, maybe there is a coworker, maybe there is um, a family member, maybe there's, you know, a friend that you've fallen out of favor with. 
those can be more challenging conversations, but we still need to have them. Yeah. And for me, um, I tend to make it about me instead of about Jesus. So I get nervous that maybe I'll forget the, the verse to tell somebody or I'll say things in the wrong way. And I think um, even listening to the message yesterday and being reminded again of it, it's Jesus that's done all the work. And so if I just keep going back to what the gospel is, he's going to know who and how needs to be said and he can either help me figure it out or he's going to speak it through someone else. Yeah. And you know, in the Matthew 28 passage in the great commission, Jesus wraps that up by saying, and, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so there's that reminder that it's not just you going out on your own, but it's Christ with you. Actually, you're going with Christ. That's really what's happening. But I like what Acts 1.8 says, and I think it speaks to some of the stuff that we've been talking about. It says, but you will receive power, this is Jesus talking, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the first reminder is that, like you said, it's not about us, it's about what God is doing through us. It's about the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us. Like the Spirit of God dwells inside of believers. That's incredible. And so he's gonna lead us and guide us. And we may not have all the knowledge and we should keep trying to study and grow in our, in our knowledge and our ability to share but we need to trust that the spirit will work through us in the right way at the right time. And that the spirit will be working in the hearts of others as well to receive that message. But then just going back to, you know, all these different people, you think about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, like it starts small and then it spreads out, but also all these places represent some pain in terms of the people that are there. Jerusalem is where Christ was crucified. Judea is where he was denied. Samaria were enemies of God because they had turned from his law and intermarried with all these, you know, different people and, and different religions had come in. So they were worshiping incorrectly and improperly. And then of course the Gentiles who like literally were disobedient to God and, and didn't know anything about him. And many times were, were enemies of, again, enemies of God's people. Like these are the ones that they went to war with the Gentiles. And so there were all these ways where like the disciples would have looked at this and said, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait, hold on. Those people, like, tell me to go to the ones who have been kind. Tell me to go to the ones who didn't deny you. Tell me to go to the ones. But the reality is, is that as we start trying to find who are the right people, we'll find that there's no one left because there's no one who is perfect. There's no one who hasn't been disobedient. There's no one that we can't write off for one reason or another. And so we need to just remember that like the call is to, like I said, that this is a Bob Goff thing, to love everybody always. Um, that's our call and our command. And yeah, we do this because we keep our eyes on Christ and it's the spirit of God working in us that allows us to do this. It's the love of God for us and our love for God that really allows us to go to people like the Ninevites and proclaim the good news because on our own fleshly ways, that's not happening. And, and again, we would, most of us would do the same thing as Jonah because it was not like, oh, he just didn't go to his neighbor. It was like, he didn't go to somewhere where he might get harmed and they had literally been enemy. And it's just all these like bad, terrible people were there. And, and so he ran the other way, but we need to keep our eyes focused on Christ. Otherwise we'll do the same thing. And I need to be ready. You know, that's what you talked about his heart. It was a heart issue. So, um, is there anything more about that we've gone through this first week before we go into the next week that you want to remind us about? 
I don't think so. You know, you know, I think in general, the message of this week is one that we talk about a lot. I mean, it's, it's our mission statement that Christ Community Church exists to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ through love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And, and so that is a process of starting with evangelism, of inviting people to relationship with Christ, of helping people to cross that, that sort of boundary into faith, stepping into belief. Um, and, and then there is a discipleship process that takes place within the church. So we don't just want to stop at salvation. We want to help people grow so that they can glorify God and so that they can reach out to others. You know, the reality of being a Christian, it's kind of like a, a multi-level marketing scheme, um, which always sounds like, it sounds like this bad, terrible thing, but there are good ways of doing that because we want to bless people in our sphere of influence and help disciple them so that they will go and bless people in their spheres of influence. And in doing that, we will multiply the kingdom of God. So I think really what I, I just want to say is that we as Christians need to take this seriously. And we need to realize that Christ has laid out for us who we are in relationship to him. He's already demonstrated his love to us. He's also demonstrated his love to those around us, both the easy and the Ninevites in our lives. And we are invited into the mission of God. It's not that we are sent on our own. We are invited to do relationship with the spirit, with Christ in what God is doing here and now in our presence. And so I think that as we journey through these next, well, five weeks after this, we just need to pay attention to, you know, how's our relationship with God? How are we demonstrating love towards others? Or what are we demonstrating towards others? And are we having gospel-centered conversations? Are we being invitational into relationship with us, with the church family, ultimately in inviting others into relationship with Christ? Because we have been given an incredible gift and that gift is meant to be shared. And so we need to go out and share that gift. And yes, for people like sounds like you and myself, that may be harder for, for us than for others, but all of us need to do it because there are people who are hurting, who are broken, who are suffering, who are on a path headed towards destruction. And it's not to like do the guilt trip thing, but it's just, we, we actually have the ability to help turn them onto a path that leads to life. Yeah, we have and, hope. Yeah, and, and who wouldn't want to offer that? Hope, peace, I mean, joy, in the midst of all circumstances, like we know Jesus and we can offer that to people. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just need to be bold enough to engage and be on purpose in our relationships with others. Well, I'm gonna try to remember that and accept the mission this week of, um, of sharing the gospel mm -hmm. with people, even through loving those that are hard to love. Praise Thanks, God. Brian. And yeah, hopefully many others will as well. Uh, we hope to see you coming up this Sunday. Hopefully you are in a group as well. Still time to get plugged in, cccnow.com slash groups. Uh, but if you, well, regardless of if you're in a group or not, come and join us on Sunday at 9 or 1045 for the contemporary service, 10 a.m. for the traditional service. We would love to have you here and what a perfect time and series to start inviting someone else to come along with you as well. So be invitational this week, be on mission, be on purpose and we will see you hopefully on Sunday.